growing in God's Word, and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. Well, today we're going to kind of play a word game. Kind of, because the words that we're going to discuss are not necessarily a game. Do you enjoy playing word games? With modern technology, old classics like Scrabble and new games like Words with Friends are word games that we can play almost anywhere these days. Word games can be a lot of fun, but words can also be very serious. The words that we're going to discuss are very important and have eternal implications for our lives. I'm Rick Freeman. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. As we continue our series entitled 2012, The Days After Tomorrow, from Matthew chapters 24 and 25, we come today to what is known as the parable of the talents in chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. It's not about what I do compared to anybody else. It's about what I do with what I've been given. As we'll hear Pastor Clay say in today's message, word games can be fun, but the words we'll talk about today need to be looked at very carefully and taken very seriously. The end is coming, and the message Jesus keeps trying to get us to learn here in these passages is to live ready. Now here's Pastor Clay with today's Crosswalk message. Two thousand and twelve, the days after tomorrow. It's a series on the end times, based on Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter twenty-four and twenty-five. You've been here uh, for a number of weeks. You've heard me say that basically at the beginning of each service. But uh, fortunately, we're we're very honored to have guests with us uh, every single week, and so it's always new to them. Uh, did anybody here? I'm sure you did uh, on the news. Oh, it's been a few months ago where Alec Baldwin got thrown off an American Airlines flight. I know, right? Go figure. Alec Baldwin got in trouble about something. He got thrown off an American Airlines flight for, because he wouldn't shut off his, his iPad or iPhone or something because he was, he was playing words with friends, and, and the, the flight attendant told him to turn off his device, and he wouldn't. He got thrown off. Any of y'all hear about that? Yeah. Uh, y'all like word games? How many, how many of you like word games, like Scrabble and Words with Friends and Taboo and stuff like that? Qu- quite a few of you. I hate those games. I, I, I don't know what it is. I just, I just don't like word games very much. Uh, I, I just have a hard time getting into them, which is kind of ironic because I love words. I, I love reading. I love writing. I love crafting a, a phrase or a sentence. Or that's, I, I love doing that. Uh, sort of thing, but I just have a hard time getting into some of those word games. Well, today we're going to kind of play a word game. Now, I say kind of because the words that we're going to discuss uh, are not necessarily a game. The words that we're going to discuss um, are very important and have eternal implications for our lives. But we are, in a sense, going to play a cross-culture version of taboo. Now, taboo is where you have to, like, get people to guess a word without 
saying the word and you've got a list of other words that, you can't, that you're not supposed to say. We're not playing that part of it today. I can say anything I want. But, uh, but you have to, like, guess the words that we're going to say. And they come uh, out of this teaching that Jesus does in Matthew 24 and uh, 25. But if you've been here in this study, you know that one of the things that I keep talking about is how Jesus just keeps basically repeating the same teaching over and over again. Remember, if you're with us at the beginning, all of this started because Jesus made a comment based off something the disciples said. So I said, oh, look at, look at these buildings. Look at how grand our buildings are. And Jesus kind of blew them away by saying, I'm telling you, not one stone's going to be left on another. All this is coming down. And so as soon as they got Jesus somewhere where they could sit him down and talk, they was like, whoa, whoa, when is all this stuff going to happen? When is the end going to come? And what about your return? That prompted this teaching in Matthew chapter 24 and 25. But he, he keeps... After he gave them, we walked through, it took a few weeks, but we walked through some of those signs that he, that he gives to us. But then he, he's giving those signs, and I, hopefully if you've been throughout this series, you've, you've caught this idea that he's giving those signs. But it, it's, it's like, yes, he wants us to know, and there are things that we can look for that, that will lead up towards the end of days. But that he's really trying to hurry up and get to what the, really, the point is that he's trying to make. In Matthew 24 and 25. And that's the lesson that he keeps teaching over and over and over and over and over again. And that lesson is live ready. Right? If you've been here, you've heard me say this. You, some of you already had it on your lips. You're ready to say, live ready. In other words, hey guys, instead of worrying so much about, well, what about this sign? Or if this happens? Or if, uh, if uh, two earthquakes happen on a Tuesday while... Somebody's second cousin's brother is, I don't know, whatever. You know, does that mean that this is the end? Instead of worrying about all these different signs and stuff, how about if you just live every day as if the end could come any day? Because, in fact, it could. That's the message that he keeps trying to get us to get over and over and over again. Will Brown's uh, life group, uh, last week, uh, prayer walked around the school after the services last Sunday. They prayer walked around uh, the facilities, uh, just, you know, praying for Cross Culture Church. I certainly appreciate them doing that, praying for Cross Culture Church and praying specifically for our upcoming Family Fun Day and Easter Sunday services. And I certainly hope that all of us are praying that God would use us, any of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, that God would use us to make His name famous. That's the way I put it sometimes. To make his name famous here and there, here and everywhere. But as they were prayer walking, uh, they came across a sign that is here in Leesville, on Leesville Road's property, the high school property. And they took a picture of it and they showed it to me last Monday night. I said, you've got to see this because this is exactly what you've been preaching on this whole time. And the sign is this. Begin with the end in mind. Now... I have probably, and I think it's somewhere on this back thing that goes to the back parking lot or front parking lot, depending on your perspective. Uh, I have probably driven by that sign a hundred times, uh, and I have never noticed that sign. But that is exactly what Jesus seems to be teaching. Begin with the end in mind. I like that statement so much. I, I, I 
and I know I'm kind of crazy, but I even put it, I put it in my phone. I put it as a reminder. It goes off every morning uh, with that statement just to kind of remind me that I need to begin my day with the end of my life in mind because it's coming faster than, than I even realize. I, I put it on my phone. I put it in my computer. You might want to do the same. I don't know. It's just a thought. But that's the lesson that Jesus keeps teaching. Live ready. Begin with the end in mind. That's what's really important for your lives. Don't get caught up in the when and the, the hows. And yes, you need to know some of that. I give you some of that. But that's not really what's important. What's really important is what you do with your lives. Matthew chapter 24 and 25. Today we are in chapter 25. And we are beginning this morning in verse 14. Last week, if you were with us, Jesus, and I told you, he's teaching the same lesson over and over again. He just keeps teaching it in different ways. That's what I said last week. Last week, uh, he used what we know, refer to as the parable of the ten virgins to teach this truth. This week, it's what's known as the parable of the talents. By the way, when you hear this or you read in a second about talents, it's not talking about skills or ability or anything. A talent uh, here was a, a currency. It was a, new, it was a, a coin that had a certain numeric value to it. That's what a talent was in this context. Uh, Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey. Notice he's, now he starts another story. He keeps, you know, he's, he's driving home the same point, but he keeps coming back around and finding another way to say it to us. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. 
Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we start this morning. Well, let me, let me just first, let me see if I can get you to, to get, the, get the word. Um, wait a minute. What is the first word? <laughs> it's kind of important that I, that I know that. Um, if, if a student is given an assignment, student in school, middle school, high school, college, elementary school, whatever, student is given an assignment, and that student has a certain date that they have to turn that assignment in, that student is blank for that assignment. Responsible. Thank you. And all of you that came close to saying that. Responsible. Responsible. Let's look at it. Look at verses 14 and 15 again. Watch this now. For it's just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Now, um, as I said a a moment ago, last week he had the parable of the ten virgins. This week it's the parable of the talents. If you're you're reading this story and you were here last week and and through some of these parables, uh, you may notice some similarities. That shouldn't surprise us, Right? Because he's teaching the same lesson over and over again, basically. And so it shouldn't surprise us that some things keep coming up again and again. With the ten virgins, with the parable of ten virgins, uh, they were waiting for the bridegroom to come. But the bridegroom was delayed and therefore was gone a long time. In this parable of the talents, the servants are waiting for their master to return. But he's gone a long time. We can see, or we should probably be able to see in those parables, a picture of those of us who are followers of Jesus today waiting for our master to return. Waiting for, symbolically speaking, the bridegroom to return. Jesus came the first time. Historical fact. Jesus died on a cross. Jesus rose again on the third day. Jesus uh, showed himself to over 400 eyewitnesses, and, and Jesus went back to heaven. Before he went back to heaven, he said, I'm coming back again. We looked at that, talked about that. But it's been a long time while the master was delayed. Now, it doesn't mean, he, I mean, God's timing is God's timing to come back. But you see the point that Jesus seems to be getting to. He's emphasizing something throughout these parables. that he's, It's going to be a while. You're in this waiting period. And so the church has been waiting for over 2,000 years. Now, by the way, when you read a text like this that talks about slaves and masters, do not get the impression that it's, or do not think about slaves in the sense that we usually automatically think about slaves in, in our culture and our historical uh, background that, that, that we're familiar with, when we would think of slave and master, we'd think of it in the sense of someone who is taken, uh, not of their own free will, they are taken 
by force and they are forced into submission. They're forced into serving someone else. Um, Certainly that type of slavery existed in the Roman world during Jesus' day. But that was man's doing. That was not God's doing. In Israel, in those days, a person could, could enter into or could do what was what you'd known as indenture themselves. They could indenture. They could, in other words, they basically could enter into a contract with another person, a person that owned land, a person that was perhaps well off or whatever. They could go to that person and they could basically make a contract to work for them, to, to stay with them, to work for them, to to do what they wanted them to do for X amount of time. There would usually be an agreed amount of time to, to pay off a piece of property or to receive food as wages or whatever it might be. They would indenture themselves. And in that sense, they were thought of as, as servants. And the servant had a master. But it's not in the sense that we tend to think of as slavery, even though that type of slavery has existed almost since the beginning of time and still exists today. But the servants, all of the servants, are all responsible. And in a very real sense, they were equally responsible. Now, they weren't all given the same amount, but they were all given the same responsibility. And that was to be faithful with what they had been entrusted with. That's what they were responsible for. It wasn't about making as much as the other guy made. It was about being responsible with what you have been given. And you and I, ladies and gentlemen, are responsible. When I was a, a kid, one of the first uh, jobs I had, I put it in quotation marks, I didn't, get, I didn't get paid anything, I worked for my dad. I got paid, yeah, you get paid, you get to eat tonight. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't quite like that, but, uh, but I grew up on a dairy farm, and uh, one of my earliest jobs, I mean, I remember I was like six, seven, eight years old, and I had to uh, wash out the barn after... Uh, milking. You know, milking's fine. Sometimes milk is spilled and stuff, but the cows are eating and, you know, uh, all that stuff, and they're enjoying themselves. And, and sometimes while cows are eating and cows are milking, cows are also pooping. And uh, so that kind of stuff happens, and the barn has to be washed out each time uh, before the, the next uh, milking cycle. And that was my responsibility. I had two older brothers. One was three years older and one was five years older. Uh, they had uh, other responsibilities as well, but all of us had the same responsibility, and that was to do the job that we were assigned. Mine was washing out the barn, of which I... Humbly say, I'm one of the finest barn washers in the history of the world, in my, in my you know, humble opinion. But, um, you know, we, we'd, you'd have to wash out the feed trough. You know, there's a long feed trough. and You fill up, you know, be feeding the cows, be eating when they're gone and everything. And, of course, I would always, you know, wait a little while. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry if this. But I would wait sometime till the rats would come in to the feed trough. You know, you do have rats on farms and dairies, and I'm sorry, but you do. Um, and so they would come in to get the extra grain, and I would shoot them with my BB gun. <laughs> Please don't tell PETA. I'm going to be in trouble. But I was only six. I didn't know any better. Um, but it was fun. Anyway, watch it. But, but, but I, you know, listen. Now, I, I could, I, I might. At some point, my dad was coming back. I mean, I could shoot all the rats I wanted, but that barn better be clean. When he walked in the door. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's responsibility. And in the kingdom of God, ladies and gentlemen, there, there is responsibility. Now, 
And I know that sometimes people want to think, well, well, you know, it's, I, I, this is my life and I ought to be able to live it like I want and, and that's what really matters and, and all this kind of thing. There's responsibility. You and I, this is our life. It's a, it's a beautiful, wonderful, precious gift from God. He is the author of life. If, if, I'm, if I'm right, if this is right and I'm right and, I, and I've, I've staked my life on it, then he is the author of life. And the life that we have is a gift from him. And while he gives us free will and we can make choices of whether we're going to look for his direction for our life or our own we can't be so naive as to think we're not responsible for the life that we've been given. We are. Okay, second word. What's the second word? Okay, um, let's say a semi-driver has to haul a load of uh, something from here to New York City. Come on. Thank you, Ernie. He's got a haul, a, a load, semi-load from here to New York City. If, and he's, that's assignment. That's his responsibility. He's been given. He's given that. He, he takes his load to New York City. If he delivers that load, if he delivers that load on time, if he delivers that load unharmed uh, without spilling it all over the place and all that kind of stuff, uh, and he finishes his task, he has been... What? I have no idea what you're all saying, but close enough. Productive. He has been Productive. Second word. I'm sorry, it was called kind of running together and it's these glasses. I can't hear with these things on. Okay, let's, let's look at it. Verses 16 and following. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had gained the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Notice the emphasis on immediately. It's that idea that keeps coming up over and over again. We don't have time to waste. We can't just mess around with this thing, that there's expectation, that there is production in our lives. And, and however that comes out, what, whatever that assignment, if you will, is, and we'll talk about that in just a second, but there's an expectation that we would be productive with our lives. And Jesus, in the, in the parable, says, and immediately, and immediately. One of the things that you'll notice is that the master was not a bit unfair in giving one five and one two and one one, he was in fact quite kind. But he, because he gave to each one according to their abilities. You understand? Again, it had nothing to do with, oh, he made five, you better make five. No, that's not what it had to do with. The master knew the ability of each person, gave to them that, that amount, and it was their responsibility to produce what they were given. Not to produce as much as anybody else, but to produce what they were given. Production. Certainly there is an expectation that there would be production in our lives. When I uh, worked years ago for a company before I went into ministry, before I started working for the post office, I worked for this company called Cypher Feed Company. And um, it was a family-owned business. The old man, I don't mean any disrespect, that's, that's Mr. Seifert, old man Seifert. And his son ran this company. And uh, 
One day, one of the semis for their feed company, big trucking, big semis, got stuck in the mud back behind kind of the feed operation plant uh, unloading some, some feed from a railroad train and long story. Anyway, got stuck. And they, they, they couldn't get this thing out of there. So they're, they're going to have to call a big wrecker. You know, got to call a big wrecker. It's a big semi. Got to call a big wrecker. Well, that's going to cost money. And uh, Mr. Cipher wasn't keen on spending money. Y'all ever have a boss like that? Not keen on spending money? <laughs> you don't need a raise. <laughs> anyway, um, so I said to Mr. Seifert, Mr. Seifert, why don't you let me try and pull that semi out? I had a 1972 uh, red Jeep CJ5, inline four, three on the floor, <laughs> but I had locking hubs and big tires. And I'll never forget Mr. Seifert, he said, he said, Clay? I don't believe that thing and pull the hat off my head. <laughs> I never forget those words. As long as I live, I don't believe that thing and pull the hat off my head. But go ahead. So I got back there, man, in my Jeep, and I got a snatch rope. Y'all know what a snatch rope is? Okay, Travis does. But basically, it, it is what it says it is. You, you kind of snatch that thing out of there. And I, I have no idea why I didn't rip the whole rear end out of my Jeep. But I pulled that Jeep. I pulled that semi up out of there. I got them wheels just a barking on it, carrying on it. It was awesome. And pulled that, that thing comes slowly, came up out of there. And I pulled that semi up out of there. And Mr. Seifert, he had to about eat his hat. He just couldn't believe that I had done that. Productive. To, to, to take what you've been given and to be productive with it. That's the expectation on our lives. When you th- can, can I just ask you this? When, when, you, when you think about your life in terms of, of today and tomorrow and, and however much time, do you think of it in those terms? Do you think of it in the sense of, wow, uh, how productive was I today? Listen, I know that's hard to do because we just get so caught up in, in just trying to run the race, right? Trying to just live and, and all this kind of stuff that we just, some of that can kind of get pushed aside. As a matter of fact, if, if we're not intentional about thinking that way, if we're not intentional about thinking, all right, what am, how am I going to be productive today? And I know that there's some people, they not even have to be a Christian. There are people that are just driven like that. That's how they think, you know. All right, I got to do my to-do list. And, I'm gonna, and there's all kinds of books out on that kind of stuff, and it's good. But if we don't think intentionally about being productive for the kingdom of God, specifically for the kingdom of God, our mind will automatically default back to the cares and the concerns and, and all the stuff of this life that, that you and I have to do on a daily basis, right? Won't it? It'll just do that. It'll just go there. You don't have to make your mind do that. It just goes there. But I have to make my mind if, if I'm going to be different about this, if I'm going to think from an eternal perspective, if I'm going to think kingdom-focused, then I have to somehow be intentional. And, and if that means putting a reminder in my phone, then I'll do it. If that means putting a, a card up on my mirror, then I'll do it. If that means, you know, I'm going to read a certain uh, passage of Scripture every day, whatever it is that I need to do, I need to do. Do you think in those terms? Do you think about, is my life being productive? Now, I, I've, I've mentioned this before, and I know I need to move on, but, you know, a lot of y'all are young, and, you know, you don't, you don't necessarily think that way a lot of times. You're like, oh, whatever, I've got tomorrow. If not, I'll sleep in. But 
But the older you get, the more you begin to think about this. The more you begin to think about, wow, what, what am I doing with my life? And again, if you're a follower of Jesus, then, it, then that should have an eternal perspective, right? Because all of the stuff of this life that you and I spend so much time on, the accumulation of stuff, the building of, of whatever, the creating of this in my life, the creating of, a, of a, a model family or a good home or a great career or what, all this stuff that we're building or that we're storing up or whatever. Listen, listen, it's all going to turn to dust. Now, I'm not saying stuff in itself is necessarily bad. But if that stuff begins to interfere with, with the kingdom production and with kingdom focus, then I, that's when I need to take a hard look at my life and say, wow, am I really being productive in this thing? Because remember, this, this is the parable. This is where Jesus is going with this. It's all in the context of end times and being ready. And so, he says, so he, what does he do? He tells us a story about, about these servants who are giving a task, and two of them did it. And one of them didn't. Hey, listen, how ironic is it, by the way, before you go on, how ironic is it that the third guy was, was fearful of his master, was fearful of what would happen, and his, he, was, he was fearful of failure, and yet his fear became the source of his failure. Now, there may be more to it than that because Jesus later refers to him in the parable as this wicked, lazy slave. Uh, so there may be a little more. But the point is, productive. All right, let me, let me just give you, uh, I think you've got a blank in here to fill in, and then we'll just go on. Can I just tell you, in a nutshell, I know this, it, it, you know, like it's the whole five talent, two talent, one talent thing. Uh, some may have more years than others. Some may have more money than others. Some may have more uh, creativity than others. Some may have more whatever than others. That's not the point. The point is, what am I doing with what I've been entrusted with? Because what it comes down to in production is this, that, I ha- that it's, my life's calling is to know God and to show God. I mean, that's really it, folks. I- I'm being very basic there. But if, if, I, if I strive to be productive in the area of knowing God, in other words, here it is, early 2012, ha- what am I going to do between now and the end of 2012, am I going to know God more than I know Him now? Am I going to know Him deeper, more intimately, more personally? Am I going to, am I going to recognize His voice a little more clearly? And uh, you guys understand when I say voice, okay? I'm not, God doesn't, I mean, to me, he, He's never spoken audibly. I'm not saying that, but God does speak. He does move. And so, at the end of 2012, am I going to know God more than I do today? Have you even thought about that? And if you have, have you put some sort of plan in place to say, all right, I want to know God more by the end of 2012 than I do. If the Incas are wrong and we're still here on December 22nd, I want to know God more. And if the Incas are right, I really want to know God. But if, if, if we're still here at the end of the year, I want to know God more deeply. Okay, that's nice. Then how do you plan to do that? Well, I hadn't really thought about that. Maybe we have to think about it a little. That's all I'm saying. Maybe we ought to think about a little bit. To know God and to show God to others, to those around us, uh, through our lives, through our actions, and that sort of thing. By the way, uh, moving on, but when I talk about some of those concepts, I know I'm speaking generality, and some of you may be thinking, well, okay, but, but how, how do I? What's the plan I put in place? Some of that, you've got to kind of figure out on your own, but some of that, I'm always more than happy to talk to people, but we just can't always handle everything in 35, 40 minutes. So, the idea that I'm trying to communicate to you is 
I've got to be intentional about this if I want to be productive in the work of the kingdom. Okay, all right. Um, the third word. Uh, if, um, if, if Joe Thomas gets Samantha uh, a new diamond ring, uh, just out of the blue, it just, he just comes home with this just honking, you know, diamond ring. <laughs> no, not au contraire, not trouble. Unless you stole it, then trouble. <laughs> but as far as his relationship with Samantha's concern, if he, if he says, baby, I just love you so much, and, and uh, here, I just, I just want to give you this. That will be very blank for Joe's relationship with his wife. Yeah, profitable. <laughs> that will be very profitable for Joe's relationship to his wife. Let's pick it up. Uh, let's see, what verse are we on here? Uh, verse 19, Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I, I've gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Do you notice the, the equity there? Do you notice the equality there? Do you notice that, that the endorsement, the commendation for the guy with the two talents was exactly the same as the guy that made the five talents? Verbatim. You see, I, I know I said this. I'll say it again. It's not about what I do compared to anybody else. It's about what I do with what I've been given. And when I do with what I've been given, based on this parable, God takes notice. God is pleased with his children and it is profitable for us. Now, I'm not talking, you know, health, wealth, prosperity, Send in your $25 check and you'll have two Cadillacs in the driveway. And I'm not talking about that stuff. That's not what I'm saying. But it is profitable. Can I, let me just say, but it's point of personal order, preference or whatever. I, from, purely from a material, physical standpoint. We'll, we'll deal with eternal in just a second. But, but purely from just a, a, a material standpoint. Serving Jesus Christ with my life is the greatest thing I have ever done or ever could hope to do with my life. Bar none, period, end of story. There is nothing, there is no amount of money that can buy you the peace when you know you are, I mean, dead on the will of God. You know you're doing what he's, what he's asked you to do and called you to do. There, there is... There is no amount of money, there is no amount of fame, there is no amount of anything that can give you what following Christ can give you in your life and how profitable it is to have peace and purpose and confidence and lack of fear and faith that comes from living this, this life. I, I don't mean, I don't want to compare myself necessarily to anybody else in here, but I, I would dare say I'm probably about as busy as, as anybody. 
I, I have probably as many demands on my life as you have. I probably have as many expectations on my life as, as you have. I, I've known what it is to have pressure. I've known what it is to have frustrations in my life. I know what it is to have heartaches in my life. Why are you telling all this? Because I'm telling you, it works. I'm telling you, it works. Following Christ, being this person who, who wants to know and show God to be productive for his kingdom, it, it's, eternity aside, it's what it brings into my life here and now. One of the frustrations that you all face, I'm not picking on y'all and, and I, I'm not naming, thinking of anybody in particular or anything, but one of the frustrations that, that Christians oftentimes face in their life is, is this is trying to do the right thing, be the right person, act the right way that Jesus is going to be happy, but, but yet still keep up with all the other demands and stuff of life instead of understanding that it all, when, when, I, when, I, when I come to realize that it's all kingdom focus and I put it all there, that's when, that's when all the rest of it just kind of falls into place where it's supposed to. You say, well, you're a pastor. I mean, you got all day to do that stuff. So do you. Yes, I, I have the luxury of going down to my office and pulling a book off the shelf and reading some church father or reading, studying scripture for a couple of hours or, or something like that, and, and your day may not allow that, but you have just as much opportunity to live for Christ in your daily experience as I do. And in fact, that whole know and show, you actually oftentimes have much greater opportunities to show than I do. Because oftentimes I have a lot going on within the context of my office and work that I'm doing, or I've got meetings or counselings or, or whatever else with, with people who are part of the church. My interaction with people outside the church, if y'all read Pastor's Perspective, I've got to buy and sell stuff on Craigslist to have any interaction with people outside of a, of a, a church oftentimes. But, man, it's profitable. Okay, and then, and then by the way, <laughs> there's an eternity to come. And you're talking about profitable. Now, I, I, admittedly, I don't know what all heaven will be like. We get glimpses. We get some ideas. I don't know what it'll be like, but I'm telling you, it is so much more than we can possibly imagine. Let me just show you really quick these words from Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4. Uh, listen, listen to what he says. He says, that's why we never give up. Now, watch this. That's why we never give up. I know, I know you. I know me. We feel like giving up sometimes in this whole Jesus thing. That's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying. Anybody, does anybody feel their body dying? Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small. And they won't last very long. Now, before you say, I'll read the rest of it. Before you say, you don't know my life. How can you call my troubles small? I'm not calling your troubles small. Paul is calling your trouble small. And if you would like to gauge your troubles against Paul's, go for it. For our present trouble, troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last. What's that word right there? Say it. Forever. Would you say it again? Forever. Oh, why don't we say it like we mean it? Forever! All right, I'm sorry. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Do you understand? Do you see what he's saying? Turn it around. Change the focus. We don't see. We don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. The things we cannot see will last 
forever. It's temporal versus eternal. Temporal versus eternal. Temporal versus eternal. It's the pull, it's the struggle that all of us feel in our life. And God says you can master this thing, but you gotta, you gotta focus. You gotta put it in the right place and it's profitable for you. Okay, real quickly, uh, last word, need to close. And uh, uh, let me just give you the last word. Last word is judgment. Uh, Verses 19, now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Folks, the master is going to come and settle accounts. That's, that's, that's the prevailing model you get throughout Scripture, you find it. Then picking it up in verse 24, and the, one also, uh, and the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you'd be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid, and I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money on, in the bank. On my arrival, I would have received, in other words, I would have at least received money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For the way everyone who has more shall be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness in that place. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's twice now. It's the second time in, in this uh, Olivet Discourse. We call it Matthew 24, 25. This is the second time Jesus used that phrase, weeping and gnashing of teeth. He used it also in 2451. Um, there's been lots of debate about what all that means. But I'm telling you, whatever weeping and gnashing of teeth means, it can't be good. In that place, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I know here, here's the last one. And these are hard words. And the reason I kind of called this game today taboo is because a lot of the kind of the prevailing uh, thought in the world is, hey, some of those words are taboo. We don't want to hear some of those words. We don't want to hear that kind of stuff. And I, I understand the culture and the time in which we live. The idea of judgment has fallen on hard times because the mantra of our day is, hey, it's their life. It's my life. If, if, if we want to live it however we want to live, that's our business. As long as we're not hurting anybody else, it, it shouldn't be anybody else's business. And nobody has the right to pass judgment on anybody else. And maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking that, that very thought. I understand. It's a popular thought in the culture in which we live. There are several problems with that. And I may deal with that in a Q&A in a, in a few weeks. But, but the biggest problem, folks, is it, it, it's not your life. To live any way you want. Oh, oh, sure, God has given you life. And God in his omniscience and his omnipotence has given you free will somehow. And his sovereignty has given you free will to allow you to, to choose his way or to choose your own way. But, but it's not your life to do as you please. He has given it to you. To live in, with, and for Him. To experience life in all of its fullness in a relationship with Him. To know Him and to show Him. And that's what it really is all about. I skipped over it, but, but I want to bring it up just, just as, as we close. Just to give you this reminder. The pastor I used to, I grew up under in uh, Florida, Pastor Whipple, used to remind us of this all the time. He used to say, all too soon from this life you'll pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. And that's the truth, folks. That's, that's what will be profitable. All the rest will go away. And after that comes the judgment. I know it's unpopular. I know the world says, we don't want to hear about that kind of stuff. We don't want to hear about that. Let me just close with this. The writer of Proverbs says that there is a way which seems right to a man, but its ends are the way of death. You can choose God 
You can choose not God, but we are responsible to Him. There is an expectation that we would be productive with our lives. If we are, it is profitable for us. And I've, I've never believed that you can scare anybody into heaven. I've never believed that. You can't scare people into heaven. A person has to want to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. They have to want to submit their life and surrender to Him. So it's not about, you know, you know, the old fire and brimstone kind of thing that people say, oh, yeah, one of those kind of preachers. It's not about that, but folks, neither can we shy away from the truth of God's Word that says that it's appointed unto man to die once, and after that, the judgment. Responsible, productive, profitable, and judgment. Four very important words for us to consider. As we heard Pastor Clay say just now, there is a way which seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. Those words from the book of Proverbs remind us that our culture may want to believe that we can live our lives any way we want with no consequences. But God's Word tells us something very different. How we live our lives and what we live our lives for matters to God. He has entrusted us with this life to live not however we want, but with the aim of knowing God and showing God to the world around us. I think, as Pastor Clay said at the beginning of today's message, it's a good idea to start with the end in mind. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our lives. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sundays at 1030 at Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.